and welcome to another episode of All That Film. Welcome back to another episode of ETF Smackdown. Uh, I'm your host, Hey, who forgot to turn on his mic the first time we started this recording. Uh, but with that said, we have a ton of great fighters that are just, they're even more amped up because I, I had to stop the recording early and they were juiced uh, in the first question. Uh, coming in, uh, our first geriatric fighter is Todd. <laughs> welcome, Hello. welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Um, and then our second fighter, um, the the <laughs> the shadow in the cloud cultist. We have Spy. <laughs> Absolutely. My third eye has been opened. <laughs> Stay woke, kids. <laughs> Watch Shadow, uh, stream Shadow in the Cloud on Hulu for $2.99. <laughs> <laughs> and then last of the bunch, uh, the Russo Brothers Stan is McKenna. <laughs> How dare you besmirch me like this? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, we'll get, we'll get right into it. Uh, I won't say the questions so we can, you know, you'll, you'll hear them as we go. They'll probably be in the description if you want to check them out, see what you're looking forward to or whatever. But all of these are going to be some saucy questions. Uh, but with that said, our first question is going to go to Todd first in what actor who has not won an Oscar yet is guaranteed to win one in the twenties of the twenties the 2020s todd what is your pick all right well for this i still take this crazy approach that quality should matter to who wins these awards i know it doesn't always but I'm, I'm trying to take that approach so i went with who i think is the best young actor uh and that is lakeith stanfield i love him he's the best part of everything he's in He's nominated for an Academy Award this year. I don't think he's going to win it, but I think that's going to establish him as an Oscar nominee in projects to come and someone who should be paid attention to. Also, I think the Oscars are really trying to take diversity a little more seriously because of a lot of criticism. And with uh, Lakeith Stanfield, you have a strong black role model uh, who is uh, really beloved by everyone and happens to be the best person in Hollywood, in my opinion, uh, under a certain age. So. That's my pick, Lakeith. Nice, yeah, great pick with Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, yeah, and I'll it's move so on. great. It's so great that someone else also <laughs> tried to pick it. Um, <laughs> someone who's not going to be named in this recording, but it's, speaking it's, of which, what is, what is your pick, Spy? <laughs> well, I think wow. in this, I think in the spirit of White Boy Summer, um, my pick is somebody who got a little bit of a rough start in Hollywood. <laughs> he got a little bit typecast. And he was goofed on for a while, you know? No one really respected him as a serious actor. But in recent years, he has been working with certain directors and taking on certain projects that have really shown his acting chops. And he has absolutely killed it in every single role that he has been cast in within the last five years or so. And that's Robert Pattinson. And I would definitely... He's already a name that people know, uh, you know, for good reasons or bad reasons. But he's definitely well known. He's a name that will attract people to his movies and will attract them to therefore campaigning more probably with the Oscars since those are important. And I think he just seriously has the chops and the range to swindle an Oscar <laughs> out of the Academy. 
I say swindle because nobody wins those legitimately. Right. Come on now. <laughs> the academy we're talking about. Gotta 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 buy out a Lubies for all the Oscar voters. They're gonna uh, start their own can... cryptocurrency that they need to. <laughs> oh my god. Perfect, perfect. So you're going to be leading this charge uh, by, you know, schmoozing all of these Academy voters. Um, with that said, McKenna, you're going to round us out. What is your pick for your actor who will win an Oscar in the 2020s? Okay. So here, everybody, my pick is Saoirse Ronan because I think she's already right out of the gate. She has two really strong films under her belt. And I think she's kind of in that spot now where she's a strong enough actress with two, she's both Lady Bird and um, Little Women under her belt. People really know her for those, really love her in those. And people are going to see those and consider those when they're making their decisions. We kind of talked about this before when we were talking about award show, how we start to consider actors history when the, <laughs> during awards seasons. So I think it's getting to the point where the more knockout roles that she's been getting, uh, they're gonna take those into consideration and when she, when she gets nominated in the future, because she will, because that's another thing. She's a hot name right now. A lot of people are trying to snatch her up, get her cast in things. She. Uh, is very charismatic. A lot of people uh, who may not even be very into film or at least know of her from, you know, talk shows and stuff because she's very charming, uh, very bubbly personality. And I think uh, it's it's overdue. And I think that she is a strong contender. Definitely, definitely going to get one in the 20s. Nice, nice. Um, so I'll go ahead and start this off with um, a couple of questions before we... Um knock knock straight into this round um i am very surprised that of this group you guys picked a lot of fairly young actors especially um even i i want to say because lakeith got big from a short-term 12 uh which just keeps having this wow moment of a cast in director um but uh because y'all went so young part of part of i guess the argument that I guess we can start off on is how would you see a, would you see your actor or the, the other actors taking Oscar roles and B how would they sort of overcome the, Oh, well it's their due to win an Oscar because a lot of the Oscars, the problem is it's either like the storyline of this young, like upstart. And I would say all of these people kind of have made it at this point a little bit or B like, They've they've worked really hard in the industry, like a Gary Oldman in in uh, Darkest Hour. Um, so with that said, go straight into it. Argue with, fight it out. Ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I have a hard time talking against Robert Pattinson, as you probably know. Hey, but like, uh, <laughs> I would say, like in Lakeith's defense, if I have to start comparing these, because I I love all three of these choices uh, actually. If I just start comparing them, Lakeith didn't have to go through an awkward phase. He just started right away. Uh, he has. <laughs> <laughs> and Saoirse Ronan, I really like uh, as well. So how would I try to burn Saoirse? So uh, I really <laughs> like as well. But I do feel uh, she's got a, a a bit potential of like she's someone who gets nominated a lot, but doesn't, or you know, seems like someone who would get nominated a lot, but doesn't really seem like someone who will win often. Like she reminds me of 
uh, like one why... of those people who might be in there forever. So her chances well, are maybe uh... higher, but I don't know if her roles really so far have ever stood out as the best of a year where like, I really think Lakeith Stanfield gave the best performance of the year and didn't even get nominated in the damn right category. So like they owe him. Uh, here's, like Here's my counter to that, if I may. Sure. Um, so I, that's, that's part of the thing because you were talking about, uh, Hey, was kind of talking about like the paying their dues. I think Sersha already has, had so many like knockout roles on like I, I talked about this a little bit but has so many knockout roles under her belt already that she's going to get to that like she's paid her dues thing very quickly because she's been in so many great roles i think the difference where because i i again i i love lakeith stanfield i love both of your guys's picks very much but where i think um Sersha stands out is that sort of more mainstream accessibility to her where Lakeith Stanfield don't like, he's obviously very famous. That's not to say he's not, but you think about a lot of his films and they're a bit more, they don't appeal to quite as wide of an audience where I think about little women, every middle-aged white woman has seen mm -hmm. little women. And so I think she really, uh has that brand power in a way uh where she's more recognizable where more people will want to like stand behind her because they'll be like oh yeah i know her she was in little women she said the thing about i'm just so lonely <laughs> and all of the women were like and me too <laughs> <laughs> so that's, See, that's my search just stand out no that was that me just putting an end to that <laughs> well i'm so happy because like all three of you have already made part of my arguments for me um <laughs> and now i just have to now i just have to smush them all together in one spiel um but basically kind of like how hey was saying you know if they try to go with that whole concept of um paying your dues robert pattinson already paid the biggest dues an actor can pay in hollywood and that's appearing in the twilight films as a star they already owe that man so much for what they did to him essentially and you want to talk about mainstream appeal i think robert pattinson of these three easily has the highest mainstream appeal he still has absolute armies of rabid fangirls i've had entire art pieces live or die by the robert pattinson stands on twitter because they are just that powerful but i in terms of acting chops though i basically only have one leg to stand on and that's a really big lighthouse um because that <laughs> movie is just <laughs> the absolute range that man pulls off and shows so convincingly in that movie is just so amazing and i think that put him on radars even though i know that the academy is you know the academy and they don't want to nominate super weird stuff like that but he already went into a much more typical type of oscar-ish movie that they go for with um the devil all the time and i know that that wasn't an oscar puller either but there's a you can see the progression happening from teen heartthrob with a massive fan base to doing really art house very artsy where he just absolutely kills it and shows all of his acting chops to movies that are a little bit more accessible to the mainstream but he still just has these stellar roles where he gives it his 100%. So he has this nice storm combination of being well-known in the mainstream. He has these high, like super high performances, smaller indie films. And now he's starting to gain that public attention, not for being the Twilight Boy, but for being a really amazing actor. And I think people are going to really start to notice that in the upcoming years. 
I think nice. the flaw well, in wait, your can, Oh, sorry, can I pause sorry. Real quick. Yes, go for you're it. You're good. Sorry. You're good. You're good. I I think I think it's very close. So if, if anybody wants to throw out a final counter in this, I just have one quick question. Uh, partially because uh, I I don't think y'all did the homework. Uh, so I want to see y'all scramble if that's the case. Uh, and two, <laughs> yeah. I think this is a good point. Um, really quick, we'll go around as like a final thing because I do think it's very close. I'm leaning a certain way, uh, but this might persuade me. Um, one, what is your, what do you think is the defining performance of your actor so far that like should have, Academy aside, should have won like all the awards? Uh, and then two, uh, what is your actor doing in the future as compared to some of these other actors? And there is one that's a semi uh, might hurt them answer, uh, which is interesting, but uh, <laughs> COVID is weird because it kind of scrapped like a lot of projects and IMDb doesn't have everything up. Uh, so for the most part, uh, all three of these people only have two projects, but Todd, uh, favorite performance in anything Lakeith is doing in the future that you know? Well, my favorite performance from Lakeith Stanfield um, is actually in Sorry to Bother You, uh, personally, uh, even though I think he is the best performance in two separate years. I actually really like him in Sorry to Bother You. I think it's a really underrated role. He grounds that whole film. Um, and uh, But I also you know, do uh, think that he deserves the award this year. Um, but that he's in the wrong category. As far as where I see him going in the future, he still has some mainstream films ahead of him, probably. Uh, what I'm thinking is that the fact that he's known by a large audience as the guy from Knives Out will start to change. Uh, and when I say like larger audience, I mean outside of the more traditional film community, but he probably has some large projects ahead of him that I think will get him more attention and mainstream appeal. And he probably has some more artsy and kind of intense political stuff where I think he'll have a good chance for nominees or nominations. Okay. Interesting. Um, Swivey, what is your answer for our Pats? Well, I think we already know. I think everyone here knows what like the defining Robert Pattinson role. And that's his role in lighthouse, the lighthouse. My bad. I can't even say one of my own favorite movies correctly but it's fine um <laughs> like that that role is just so amazing and i was like so mad that not only him but willem dafoe didn't get any acting nominations from like anything because it absolutely should have 100 percent for both of them but um i know that robert pattinson upcoming he's going to be starring in the batman films with michael reeves and i know that superhero movies are not typically oscar fodder however that is only going to propel him forward in the mainstream and talk about a guy who can go from like some super weird art house movie to freaking batman <laughs> and will probably absolutely kill both of those roles so i think that's just going to kind of further perpetuate the idea of him being a um more mainstream name and people really knowing him for his acting chops going forward okay okay um, and lastly, McKenna, uh, most favorite uh, Saoirse performance in anything in the future, or future so, outlook, I suppose. Yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious that Lady Bird is Saoirse's defining performance, really uh, put her out there. And uh, although, I, I mean, obviously Little Women is a close second because that, and again, that one has like the mainstream appeal, but I think that her performance in Lady Bird just really captured uh the that time in uh, a young person's life really well i think that is her best performance and she was 
snubbed. Um, and this is, I feel like I kind of have my cards on the table for this one because she's going to be in a Wes Anderson film in the future. Wes Anderson sneezes and the Academy is like, thank you, sir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think just the fact that she's already going to be in a Wes Anderson project speaks qu quite a lot. Even, even like, though Ammonite, like, which was her more recent one, like flopped it was still very obviously supposed to be kind of more of an art house like academy bait movie and so that's kind of her uh her line that she's walking is this this perfect balance between mainstream and art house just enough that people know her name but not enough that she seems like a sellout and i think um that's that's where her future is going and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be bright <laughs> Okay. Um, See, this is I really close. Because I like all of our answers. <laughs> See, that, that's that's the problem. Like judging this one specific, I think it's going to be way easier. Um, if uh, number two might get weird in, in that it'll be close. Um, <laughs> the rest of them are just kind of out there. Um, but I think I do have a slight definitive winner, um, and that is going to be uh, McKenna for Sir yes. Ronan. <laughs> so, yay! yay! I demand a recount. <laughs> no, I Thank you know you. another really good one that I like considered picking was Florence Pugh. I think mm. she's yeah. gonna be an Oscar darling as well. Yeah, real quick, just uh, on rationale um, for anybody yelling at me for not picking Lakeith. I think part of the thing, and Todd didn't mention this, I don't know if he saw it, if he's aware or whatever. Y'all didn't mention it either. Um, if someone did, I thought that was going to be the for sure nail in the coffin. Uh, the thing I was going to mention about Lakeith Stanfield, uh, dude really loves anime. Um, <laughs> so he's going to be doing some sort of like fairy tale project and then another like series. He's been like, he's been a voice actor in Bojack. He's done, he's mm. done vocal stuff a lot. Mm. Um, and I just, in my opinion, like if I was arguing, I would have brought that up just to be like, Hey, this dude's too busy with cartoons. This dude's a weeb. And, yeah. <laughs> and the Academy like doesn't care about voice work for whatever reason. So yeah. um but, uh, no, I, I thought all of the points were really well argued. I think it ultimately comes because everybody argued so well. Um part of it is Robert Pattinson, like, even though he he is like this great caliber actor, and like I said, I, I get the bonus points of like during the Twilight stuff, I was like, oh, this dude could be a James Bond um in back in like 2014 or whatever. Um, and now I look so smart, me so smart, but I haven't <laughs> seen him do like you even mentioned the lighthouse, and you kind of hurt yourself a little bit when you were like, Yeah, a film that should have been nominated, but it was nominated once. Um and and those are the roles like good time. Like I, I think Pattinson is great in that, but, um, and then Todd with you as well. I mm. love Lakeith and sorry to bother you. He was snubbed so hard um, for that performance because he's spectacular, but like that isn't a performance that gets nominated, unfortunately. Um, so that's ultimately like kind of went with the, like if I had to bet on one of these to win an Oscar, um, I think honestly, maybe we look back in ten years and all three of them have an Oscar. I was about to say, no. this is also a question where there this is also a question where there are multiple right answers because more yeah. than one person wins an Oscar. Well, <laughs> in fairness, in fairness though, Sersha Ronan does not have to compete 
with already one-time Oscar winner uh, Rami Malek. So you got to <laughs> think about that uh, going forward. <laughs> um, but with that said, uh, we will move on to the second question, of which Spy is going to be going up first. Yes, I love my answer for this question. (laughs) (laughs) What director is in danger of becoming the next Shyamalan? Okay, I'm ready to piss nerds off. Okay, so when you think of In Night Shyamalan, what was his biggest flaw that led to him becoming such the meme that he was? The answer is ego. So when I think of a popular working director who has shown to have an issue with ego, especially in terms of how he writes movies. And I could easily, not easily, but I could definitely see him going too far one time and getting his head shoved too far up his own ass and becoming the laughing stock, similar to how M. Night Shyamalan did. It's Christopher Nolan. And that's my answer <laughs> for a director that I could see turning into another M. Night Shyamalan type figure in the industry. I like the intro to that. Wow. Um, good start to this semi. We'll get, we'll get heated on this one. Uh, McKenna, <laughs> I will let you go second. What is your pick for this question? Okay. So, I mean, Hey already knows that this is, I, I had to go a second time with this question, but I, it, it worked out because I was torn between my two answers. So it, it worked out well. My answer for this question and this is probably also going to be one that might might make some people mad, but it is Ari Aster because I think Ari Aster had a very has so far had a similar um, rise uh, as Shyamalan has. Where I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Does anyone really know how to pronounce his last Ari name? Ari Aster, I think, is how it's typically. No, found. no, <laughs> I meant Shyamalan. Oh, in, in, oh wait, in Shyamalan. I, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> In fairness, McKenna was saying Ari Aster wrong. In fairness, <laughs> to um, which is hilarious to me that you were like, man, I, I'm I not sure if I'm saying that right. <laughs> I, can't say, Ari Aster. I can't, my brain is like, this is wrong. Good, you're good. Everything Keep it going. About you're this fine. No edits. So, <laughs> Ari, it's Ari, not Ari, because I've oh, oh man, that that's gonna okay. This is this is part of your point. No one knows how to say his name. Good. All right, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah, part of my point, uh, right there. No, um, they both start on off with the sort of psychological thriller, more um, internal uh, mystery kind of things with with uh, twists that were well received received and now we're coming off of you know for for Ari Aster um hereditary going into midsummer um when mid midsummer first premiered i there were not really good reviews and we know of course we know there's like the director's cut and everybody's like you got to watch the director's cut it's better and it is but i think the fact that um you have to watch the director's cut for it to be a really enjoyable movie like to be as good of a movie as it is uh kind of speaks to uh the the way that he writes his movies being very sort of long-winded and complicated and you need to have a lot of this complex like 
it, it, it's yeah. getting too i think he's he's going too too complicated and i think he's going to end up uh shooting himself in the foot and i think that's kind of where uh m night Shyamalan was like well i have to have a twist because that's my thing uh and then going so hard on that and making them really weird bizarre like writing yourself in circles uh twists that i'm i'm seeing a parallel there and that's okay. that's where the danger is gotcha and we'll move on to our third uh pick here with todd uh who is your director you are worried will be the next Shyamalan? So I didn't think about it in terms of ego, but I understand that. I'm just not familiar with meme culture very well. Uh, so I don't really know. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not familiar. What are these with, memes you kids what, speak yes. of? I'm not really familiar with uh, him, him as the meme, but I understand what that could be. So I was thinking more in terms of the career trajectory. And I went with uh, Jordan Peele, actually. Uh, so uh, for me, Jordan Peele is someone who started their kind of like breakout in a very similar way with this like headsy, interesting style horror film that had a kind of like a twist sort of crazy ending to it. Uh, great celebration. Their second film came out also tried to be very clever, very uh, analytical in what it did, had another kind of surprise ending, and people started to expect that from him. Uh, but less people liked his second one than his first one. I worry when you look at his other projects, like uh, his TV show and the movie he produced, Antebellum, with another uh, surprise ending, that he's starting to write himself into this like bubble of just kind of super analytical twist indie films. And I don't want him to fall into that bubble. And I worry about that with his next projects. Nice. Okay. Um, well, you got three amazing picks uh, that I'm sure you three have tons <laughs> we have of opinions points. on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> tons of opinions on. Um, I don't even know if I have like a, a start topic for this. Um, so just go at it. Rah! Go at it, kids. All right. So I can, well, my first thing that I can respond to McKenna, you want to talk about writing in circles? Uh, Tenet, that's my argument. Um, <laughs> but, but also, wait, I'm a little confused though, like genuinely. I actually prefer the theatrical cut of Midsommar to the director's Whoa. cut. Is that not a popular opinion? No, you don't are literally- you're um, literally the only person I've ever met who <laughs> said that. It was well, like I, oh, okay. Okay. I will say in fairness, only like 200 people have seen the director's cut. Um, <laughs> no, so. I actually prefer the theatrical cut. And I don't know. Ari Aster, I feel like one component of M. Night Shyamalan that makes M. Night Shyamalan kind of like how Todd was discussing. He made a good point in that like he has to have the twist. I don't know that Ari Aster really has that same like shtick of needing to like pull the rug out from his audience or like blow their mind somehow. Okay, so it's a little that scene, harder to see that going that, in that direction essentially. I'm sorry, I have to pull out the scene in Hereditary where the little girl's head pops off and well, then yeah, the that's like I'm sorry, I I watch an air sorry, sorry. I Boilers. sorry. No, you're I'm joking. I watch it. I I no, I couldn't uh disagree more on that point because I think that in Ari Aster films like there's always going to be just this like over the top like what the hell where did that come from moment. 
I feel like that is a consistent um, so far. And I think that I, that's going to continue. Well, I my, think my point oh, is less like, yes, Ari Aster has these shocking moments throughout the film, but like in M. Night Shyamalan films, everything builds up to the plot twist. Right. Like, everything revolves the around the plot twist. It is all about the plot twist. Whereas Ari Aster films, like he uses shocking moments to drive the film, but that isn't really what the films are about is how I kind of see it. And see where I see like Jordan Peele coming in there is I see him as having these films that are starting to have these buildups. It's like, what's the message? What is this kind of crazy mind blowing thing that's going to happen at the end? For me, Christopher Nolan, I get the points, but he's almost too mainstream to even be a Shyamalan at this point, in my opinion, who like at least was like kind of like niche artsy mainstream as opposed to like blockbuster main i don't know to me at least that would be my argument about uh him and his films are too inconsistent in my opinion to be like someone like Shyamalan who has such a a calling card i guess and with aster i just feel like uh he's already a little bit too niche it's not that i don't agree at some level with what you're talking about with shocking endings but mm -hmm. i just don't know if he has the mainstream he's not as mainstream as jordan peele but uh i also think uh christopher nolan is too mainstream so i think you I have do, to be right in the middle yeah i do agree that i think in a lot of ways Christopher Nolan is already at like meme level. <laughs> this sort of like, this sort of like, he, I think, like, well, I agree with a lot of things you're saying, but I think at the, for me, it is sort of like, well, he's already there. Like, I, I think he's already lost <laughs> a lot of respect as a director. And then I also wanted to say, when it comes to, and it's very hard to, because my first pick was Jordan Peele, and I thought I was so big brain for it. Oh, that's <laughs> so, so funny. Yeah, <laughs> my first pick was Jordan Peele, so it is very, it's very difficult for me, because I'm like, no, I like, I, I feel that. Um, but, but I think the, it's a part of it is also the, Oh my god, I'm sorry. I just totally forgot the word I was going to use there. Twist? But <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. Um <laughs> No, I think I think one of the thing I I think that Ari Aster has that same sort of especially with I think Midsommar is what's kind of pushing pushing me him towards this direction in particular because another one of the things is now like while Hereditary definitely was more of like a, a thematic and less of a grand grand statement. I think moving, he's officially moving past that and going into this more cerebral like thing that both you were talking about with Jordan Peele and we were talking about in terms of like Shyamalan where now, because people were like, oh, Midsummer is about uh, <laughs> abusive relationship and um, you know, the cults, the parallel. And I think people are going to start looking for that in his films and i think that's why that's the direction that he's headed well i have a couple i, I have a couple of different things that i need to, i gotta back up hang on my brain is not working fast enough to keep yeah, up I'm, I'm gonna um, i'm gonna make this the last point because I've, I've pretty much wrapped up uh <laughs> okay but, well i was just gonna say um, as far as the whole christopher nolan being a meme thing i agree that amongst like the film bros, there is a meme about Christopher Nolan, but another important aspect to M. Night Shyamalan being who he is, 
is his critical reception. And Christopher Nolan still mainstream and critically gets very good receptions. So yes, there are people who are already like memeing Christopher Nolan. Like he does the same things over and over again. He has to have some big reveal about how everything actually works at the end. We all kind of highbrow at this, but for most people, I think that they still see Chris Nolan as like, this genius visionary of like director and everyone's excited to see the next Chris Nolan film. Like nobody's not excited for a Christopher Nolan film still. And also as far as an argument against the, I have an argument more against Ari Aster because um, spoilers. I think okay, Ari I, Aster. I will say, I will say real quick. I, I won't be picking Ari Aster as the winner. Um, oh, yeah. So. Unfortunate, but I understand. <laughs> well, well, no, I, I, was, just, I was just saying that to focus you and Todd uh, versus, I guess. Oh, uh, okay. No, no well, offense, McKenna, you made a very good argument. Thank you. <laughs> well, I guess Chris my Peele. only thing that I can really say about Jordan Peele is that so far, both of his movies have been kind of pretty. I, I agree, us got a little bit weird, but I don't think that he's like quite up his own ass compared to Nolan <laughs> like in the way he writes I mean I know that that I've said that but that's just kind of how I see it and I think that's an important factor when you do the comparison to Shyamalan okay I'm calling it time um okay so I am very surprised because McKenna uh dropped the bomb uh in the middle of the uh uh, argument that I'm sorry. McKenna had. Well, no, 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 no. Sorry, uh, that McKenna had picked Jordan Peele. Big brain. Um, That's happened twice now. That's crazy. Oh, okay. But, but here's here's what I was going to say uh, to that. Um, the reason I wrote this question is because I don't think it's that. I think it's the easy answer, if that makes sense. And that's not to say that's not to discredit either of y'all. Jordan Peele is the reason I wrote this question. So in a way. It, Going into this, it was really me, McKenna, and Todd versus Spivey. And with that <laughs> even said, I am actually going with Christopher Nolan. Only yes! because I think, I think it was really well def defended, especially wow. hitting home the ego points over and over. And I do think Todd, I, I mean, both of y'all, I think, defended it pretty good. I, I think both of you did a really good job discrediting Ari Aster. Um, even though I'm not, you know, as big of a fan as uh, of his films as other people are, I think he, both of y'all did a good job, like kind of fanning out the flames um, there. And I think the the ultimate thing to me was kind of at the start um, when Spy said, "Oh, you want to talk about writing in circles? Let's talk about Tenet." And Tenet is kind of it's not mixed; it's more on the positive side. But so was something like The Village, and now Christopher Nolan's not working with Warner Bros because he got upset with them, and he might go to Paramount, and who knows what he's going to do, and all this stuff. And I could see like an ego thing, even though I love Christopher Nolan. Um, could see a thing where he's like, "Ooh, what if what if time was a llama?" And it's like Christopher Nolan, <laughs> no, um, Christopher, no. <laughs> um, so for that reason, I'm going with Christopher Nolan. But uh, great answers again. This was this was a good one. Come at me, nerds. Say, I'm ready. I wanted, to say, I wanted to say one very quick thing. You said, who's not excited for a Christopher Nolan film? I have not me. seen Tenet, and I have not, <laughs> I say, I have not seen Tenet, and I don't plan to. I... <laughs> That's Wait, I'm, just, I'm talking about like mainstream. We got it. Yeah, gotta, I, I got gotta, it. It was just, I had to this. say that. No, I'm never, I'm rarely excited for a Nolan film as well. <laughs> haters, haters. He's not um, bad, but he's not as good as people say he is. I'm, I'm just saying. Say, I've never been like, oh yeah, Christopher Nolan. 
Oh, you guys, must not, you guys must, must not watch your movies in 70 millimeter, I guess. Um, but, uh, oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> moving, sorry. Moving on to the next question. Um, it is one-to-one -one spy and McKenna. Uh, yeah, fuck Todd. Todd, sorry, Todd in fairness. <laughs> in fairness, Todd, I, I, in, this happened to Turtle, too. Turtle got four second places in a row, um, <laughs> which I, I don't think is going to happen here because there's great answers. Uh, but we'll move on to our third question, uh, which is pitch, well, with the release of Godzilla versus King Kong, uh, pitch another Godzilla versus blank and pick whichever character you want. Best answer wins. And we will start with McKenna. What is your pick? <laughs> and wait, I will say... Uh, throw logistics out the window in terms of like studio stuff or getting the rights to think doesn't matter because all of y'all picked insane answers. Um, <laughs> so, so that is not a valid argument. Um, I will say so McKenna, what is your pick? So it's funny because this was a very gut reaction and I didn't think I was going to go for it, but then I did because the more I thought about it, the more I said, yes. Godzilla versus SpongeBob. My first thought, <laughs> my first thought was, they already have, uh, they're already like, oh, Steven Hillenberg's dead. Let's, uh, like market the, let's let's take advantage of his creation. Viacom's <laughs> no, already like, Viacom's no. already like, let's just dance on his grave and take advantage of this creation and milk it for literally everything it's worth. More Spongebob till the end of time. You're gonna get spinoffs. You're gonna get sequels. You're gonna get things you never asked for with Spongebob. Um, so that was it. That's part of it because uh, just studios greedy. Um, also and this is this is I think a strong point. They're both uh we we've seen from SpongeBob the SpongeBob movie to Sponge Out of Water that SpongeBob is SpongeBob is <laughs> both can live under the water. <laughs> he can live in the water and on land, similar to Godzilla. So uh, yes, of course. Very <laughs> similar to it. So they have that going for them. There's a lot of opportunity for setup with that. Okay. Uh, with that said, we'll move on to our second pick. Uh, Todd, what is going to be your pick for the versus uh, movie? <laughs> okay, so as a big Godzilla fan, I have an affinity for the films that were more like rated G, PG, and so... I'm thinking cross promotion. I'm thinking bring in a couple different groups after the last film where Godzilla was maybe almost the baddie of the last film that came out. I want a cute and more adorable Godzilla that gets better. So I picked a triple header Godzilla versus Sonic the Hedgehog and the Smurfs oh, God. at the same time. So mm -hmm. if you think about this as a film, I want you to stick with me. We're talking about dabs. We're talking about flossing. We're talking about like a hip soundtrack for the kids. We're talking about something pretty great here. And I think what's going to happen is that the Sonic advantage over Godzilla is that he's so fast that Godzilla can't catch him because Godzilla moves so slowly. And the Smurfs are so small, but there's tons and tons of them. And so I picture a scenario where Godzilla <laughs> almost kills Papa Smurf 
but he falls in love with Smurfette. And then somehow down the line, Smurfette is projected onto some sort of screen to distract Godzilla. Sonic runs up, runs around his neck so fast that it severs his head. Done. <laughs> and that's how the film ends. Uh, so I've got the whole movie for you right there. There you go. Nice. Okay. Nice. Um, We'll move to the last of these choices. Uh, Spy, what is going to be your pick for Godzilla yes. versus? So, I think that if you're if you're gonna have someone fight Godzilla, they have to be a fighter, and they have to be fueled by absolutely nothing but hatred and spite to go up against a giant nuclear lizard. And what character in all of pop culture fits that better than Master Pai Mei from Kill Bill? <laughs> who I think would absolutely kick Godzilla's ass because that man clearly knows what he's doing. He can put, I think Pai Mei. Okay. But here, honestly, the only reason I wanted to like really suggest this is bear with me for a second. Pai Mei, but in a mecha suit versus Godzilla. That's my, that's my pitch. Giant ninja fighting fucking robots, Pacific Rim style with Pai Mei at the helm of it versus giant nuclear lizard. Does that not sound like the absolute greatest thing to ever grace the silver screen? All right. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this. Because uh, <laughs> all of these choices uh, would be an instant uh, box office breaking of Endgame. Uh, and Avatar combined, uh, <laughs> but with that said, I guess, I guess so. In in a means to discredit some of the other ones, talk about why yours, from an entertainment standpoint, is better. Um, well, I can dis- I would like I can discredit Todd's right away because he said he wanted it rated G, and then he said that he wanted Sonic to sever Godzilla's head on screen. That seems a little bit contradictory. Thing. I thought the same thing, same thing, Spy. I I, do, I said I do. G or PG, no blood, no blood. It would be a tasteful <laughs> beheading, but whatever. Kids love kids love Sonic, but kids also love Godzilla. Do you really want to make kids watch one of their idols? Behead another one of their idols. I think Todd would, I would think want they, that. Yes, I think they do. I think, I, think, I think you're selling kids too high. Yeah, I think kids want to see. You're giving kids too much credit. Yeah, I think you're giving kids way too much credit. I will say, I, I just, just as a quick point, I love this approach of Smurfs being the. Thousand lion or a billion lions versus the sun approach to yes. thinking. Um, but I sorry, McKenna. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was gonna say, uh, I remember so spy, you ended your argument with like, could you imagine anything better than that? And the answer is yes, and it is Patrick <laughs> Star, it is Patrick Star in fishnets <laughs> and heels, um, wrestling with Godzilla. Um, that is the that's the answer. Uh, I think that honestly can make my case in and of itself. That was what the, cause I had three separate answers for this question and it was the mental visual of Patrick star in the fishnets and uh, heels, very tall fighting Godzilla that really pushed me towards this answer because nothing like cinema would peak. Um, yeah, but That's do you really? But do you really want? Do you really want to put up a bunch of invertebrates who don't even have skeletons against a literal bone-crushing monster? That seems yes. like that's that seems like they just they don't have bones. They just, they just, they just, they just, 
no, no, no. I know, I know, I know. That's not how I meant it. I meant they have no science works. They have no support. They would just get squashed. But they're cartoons. They are they are cartoons, and we know that SpongeBob is still a cartoon when he's in the real world. So even if we're gonna adhere for for some reason to physics in any specific way when we're talking about a Godzilla movie, uh, they're fucking cartoons. So they could do whatever they want. Like Godzilla is gonna slip on a banana peel and like crush the Krusty Krab, and Mr. Krabs is gonna be like, "Arg, me money." Right. Well, also, as long as we're talking about SpongeBob lore, I should mention that SpongeBob and Patrick actually went up against a giant yeah. final boss and kind of lost until they just yeah. accidentally spawned in a bunch of their friends to help them beat up Which the final boss. Which so, is why it, it was would work accident. perfectly. Yeah, because cartoon everything in cartoons happens on accident. I think that makes a great setup with a giant fighting a giant lizard. I think it works perfectly. Can I can I say uh, something real quick for mine? Um, so here's what I'll say: SpongeBob. The last couple of properties have been horrible. It's time to let SpongeBob die and let him rest in peace. He's for God's sakes, he's but God's sakes, he's given us so much. Uh, I don't want to bet on that property because the writing on it's been so hard. You know what I mean? Like bad lately. I don't trust the co-production as opposed to a really solid group of films like the Smurfs and Sonic the Hedgehog. And I just want to make sure I clarified this. It's a really tasteful beheading. <laughs> it's not a gross beheading. It's a tasteful beheading. And so I just wanted to make sure that was that was okay. clarified. Well, hey, Real hey, quick, hey, I, I, have, I have one quick thing just to bring up. Um, McKenna I do too, and did, did not talk about this at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> neither of y'all have any negatives. That's on what I was going to say. You can't say anything <laughs> about why I made a mecha robot suit beating up Godzilla would I not did. be amazing. You know what? You know what you my argument anything. You know what sure. my argument for that is? I've seen Kill Bill. You said that, and my brain went, who? The giant, the clown. Don't disrespect my boy Pai Mei like that. And here's the. Oh. My only my only other thing about that would be it's just redundancy. We've seen Mechagodzilla done so much. Let's see something new. Let's see him fight someone fast and small. Let's see him fight thousands of Smurfs. That's you can what look at me out there without the mecha suit. That's just an added cherry on top for the okay. main. I, I'm calling. I'm calling time. <laughs> Order in the court. <laughs> <laughs> That's enough for me to call it. Um, Todd's the winner here. Yes. <laughs> Sonic and the Smurfs sounds super awesome. The, the tasteful beheading is something everybody would look forward to. Uh, McKenna, I think you really shot yourself in the foot by mentioning, or at least putting it in my head, yeah, they're doing this because the creator of SpongeBob passed away, <laughs> uh, which just left a sour taste in my mouth. That's what I mean. Let him. Let him die. Let him die. That's, that's why. That's why. Because he'll never die. Because they're greedy, hungry people. Yeah. Um, and then the the thing that I thought, like when the initial ideas were brought up, as as it is clearly the most realistic um, answer, uh, Spivey. The only thing that goes against it <laughs> is one: do mainstream audiences know about it? Uh, two. 
it's it is kind of a retread a lot of Godzilla stuff. And then three is Quentin Tarantino getting money from this property because I don't know if uh if ethics points we got to take some. We're going, no, 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 we're going we're going with the Kung Fu then, route where it's just different enough to avoid copyright. <laughs> we don't know though because we might get a you know Tarantino might show up and he might say yeah yeah get a good shot of Godzilla's feet right there yeah nice um, and, and is that a word you want explode <laughs> <laughs> um, but with that said we are tied going into this which is great um, I, I wasn't expecting us to I was very worried because Spongebob seemed like a very cool answer um, and Paime is a great fighter um, but with that said, we'll move on to our fourth penultimate question, um, unless there's a tiebreaker, of course, which is, and Todd's going to be starting us out, um, <laughs> which uh, points to Todd, I guess, for uh, for effort on what he picked. Um, with the confirmation <laughs> of Knives Out 2, who would be the best possible actor to be added to the cast? And just for anybody who didn't know... Um, Try to pitch a little bit of what this, what type of role this character is playing. So, for instance, like uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's type is the, the um, mom that's really uh, close to her father or whatever. Like, try to try to give me a little bit of details going in. But Todd, what is your pick? I know that you, when you saw this, probably thought this was just a sucking up answer, but I legit, <laughs> I legit. Thought of this person, and I think they're perfect. And so I am going with Vin Diesel. And what I want, Vin Diesel. So hear me out. Think about all the types of actors that were in the first one, right? They didn't have the sort of character that Vin Diesel is great at. Now, Vin Diesel is not my favorite actor, but he is wonderful at playing these kind of cocky, dumb but street smart sort of people uh, you know what i mean like who who value like family and hard work and i see him playing a really tough-nosed lawyer who says things like dude i'm a lawyer i'll be out of this in 10 minutes or like things like that or he says you know like he's suspected of cheating on his wife and says something like uh intense you know that makes the 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 cops go crazy i just i think he's a good person i think he's interesting i want to see vin diesel in a mainstream film where he shows his acting chops i pick vin diesel okay i have a quick question before we move on uh, to spy <laughs> yes. uh vin diesel in this role hair or no hair no hair. He's bald. It's bald. <laughs> okay. Baseball. Interesting. I already Jones. have an argument um, against Tots, but I'll do my <laughs> intro for you. Yeah. Um, 5e, what is going to be your pick? So my pick is a wonderful actress who's already proven that she has absolutely insane acting chops, and she already has a working relationship with Ryan Johnson, the director of Knives Out, and that's Lupita Nyong'o. And I could see her really falling into a role kind of similar to that of Ana de Armas in the original where she's sort of like the main person who helps out Daniel Craig. Because I think she has the intelligence for it and she's a fantastic actor. So I could really see her being a great asset and I could see her and Daniel Craig having great chemistry. I started running out of breath there. I'm sorry. Um, oh, all good. <laughs> but yeah, very well I think said. they're very good. And I think she would be a great addition to a Knives Out movie. Nice. All right. Uh, let's round it out. McKenna, what is your pick? 
Okay, so we got some, we got some great answers this round, but I'm going to stick very firmly with my pick, which is Kate Blanchett. I think she has the wonderful vibes of an heiress with lots of secrets that would just fits perfectly with the whodunit atmosphere and she would make a great character sort of to, to, to throw in both to throw into the mix of sub uh, suspects or to even be the murdered person sort of uh oh my god I, i'm sorry i can't remember the actress name uh, christopher Plummer. you're good christopher Plummer. yes sort of like christopher Plummer's character i think uh her she has this this wonderful air about her that she feels like she walked right out of uh a different time period and i think it would fit perfectly okay okay so i'm gonna go ahead and say this uh, <laughs> to start things off i already see the puzzle pieces of Vin Diesel, Kate Blanchett are married. Kate Blanchett has this really close best friend, Lupita Nyong'o. Maybe they're who knows. Maybe they're having a slight affair. Who I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yes! I'm gonna let yes! the audience read the lines. There. Um, can't not be gay, so like it works. Yeah. Uh, but but the thing is, all I'm gonna say is this is gonna be really hard because all three of y'all kind of picked roles that could fit alongside each other. Um, yeah. So. This, if this was a Knives Out 2, I think we got a, a stellar cast. Um, but just talk about why it wouldn't work uh, for the whodunit. Maybe talk about, because I uh, points to Spivey, I guess, for mentioning uh, starring alongside Daniel Craig. So the other two maybe mention something about that. Uh, but otherwise, go at it. Well, my biggest let, argument let the, is... Wait, sorry, 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 sorry. Yes. Let the Knives out. Well... All I can really say, Todd, is I'm disappointed because there's already a Hollywood beefcake who would absolutely fill the role you described and has already proven that they're actually a quality actor. And if you say The Rock, I swear. No, Dave, okay. Bautista, Dave Bautista. He's already proven oh. he can actually <laughs> act and he's still that beefcake goofball character and you pass over him for Vin Diesel? Yes, because, he, no, here's why. Because I want... I want someone who he's not that big of a guy, Vin Diesel. That's the sneaky thing about him. So I want someone who is tough nosed and like acts all macho, but underneath, and this is the beauty of his vulnerability in all of his roles. Underneath, you've got this sad little man who just wants to be hugged. And that's what I want about Vin Diesel in this. But see, role. but then for Perfect. that, you could just have Tom Hardy. He's like five foot five. No, no. Uh, but wait, wait, but you know, wait, 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 hold hey, up, hold hey, up. As hey. a judge, I have to throw this out. Um, uh, then you'd have to throw subtitles in the movie, assumedly. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to picture millions of Fast and the Furious fans all of a sudden being interested in Knives Out 2. That's all I got to say. <laughs> all right. I, Batista I have, doesn't bring that. <laughs> I, have, I have my thoughts, so... Yeah, you just have Marvel fans. I... <laughs> God. So, I we all love Vin Diesel here. Just I want to make sure this is no shade at, at Vin Diesel whatsoever because we uh -oh. love Vin Diesel Tread here. Carefully. Oh, yeah, kidding. no, no. The the crux the crux of this question for me is the vibe because Knives Out has a vibe, and although Vin Diesel also has a vibe. They're not quite the same vibe. They're slightly off vibes. I think Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel's vibe is a little less. It's 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 harder to put Vin Diesel in something that feels like it should be a period piece, but it's not. 
Um, <laughs> and that's what Knives, Knives Out, the Knives Out franchise has. Is Are is, you implying that Vin Diesel is not timeless? Because... <laughs> It's a different kind of timeless because there's no that's the thing because knives knives out feels very rooted in a time and oh. Vin Diesel he cannot be he cannot be held down by by the constraints of time so automatically so so you're seemingly Sorry. pitching Vin Diesel in the next Christopher Nolan movie is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I would take it. I would, you know, what? I would watch a Christopher Nolan move, movie if Vin Diesel was in it. I'll say it. <laughs> I just want to say this Vin Diesel would get conversation started as this very conversation has. No one has mentioned that Kate Blanchett is in tons of ensemble films. That's not going to bring new people. And nobody has brought up yet, for example, that. And I'm trying to stall because I forgot your pick temporarily. Peter Nyong'o helping <laughs> Peter you out. Well, here's the deal. She would be great in an Anna Armas role, but this is a sequel. We want new roles. That's why I'm well, talking yeah, about Vinny D is a tough-nosed lawyer. But listen, Hey already <laughs> sold it for me. He already said, Lupita Nyong'o is such a ranged actor. She could be the heiress's secret lover who is like a side character and she would kill it. She could be the leading lady with Daniel Craig and she would kill it. It would put, it would keep that theme of diversity and progressivism that we saw in the original Knives Out by having Lupita Nyong'o in the cast. She would just be a perfect all round pick to add in terms of her vibe, her acting ability and her relationship with the director. We'll say, Although uh, I appreciate the the diversity point was a direct shot at mm -hmm. Kate Blanchett. Uh, what do you have to Wait. say, McKenna? <laughs> I was I was gonna say you you oh, no, you say, you say this, but that's the thing because Kate Blanchett is not the leading is not the leading lady. Not the she is the to, to, if we were to pull some sort of parallel, she would be a much different character. But if we were to pull the closest parallel we could, it would be more like of a Jamie Lee Curtis kind of role. But her, you're talking about being able to work off of each other as actors. I think that Kate Blanchett and Daniel Craig, especially Daniel Craig, as, mm -hmm. uh, would be would be fantastic because they both have this this. See, there's there's less of a suavity to uh, Benoit, but there's still there's still that uh, that that good gentleman um, aspect to him, and to have that in uh, in conjunction with this. I'm sorry. I wish you guys could see the hand gestures I'm doing right now. <laughs> I really wish you could. Um, um, with this uh, almost femme fatale, but not quite. Uh, nature of Kate Blanchett, their their interactions would be just like chef's kiss. I can't I can't imagine something uh, better than even a brief interaction between a Kate Blanchett character and <laughs> Daniel Craig in this movie. That's that's uh that's what I wanted to say when it came to uh, interactions with characters and it, hey, yeah. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna interject and let Spy um reply real quick because um, it's it's close it's very close <laughs> well um the only real point i can say like because here's the thing i actually do think that kate winslet would be like a great heiress character but i feel like like that kate would just, Blanchett. Be, just, just yeah sorry sorry 
I'm you're listen, good. You're I'm, good. Listen, I'm from Central Florida. You got to give me some slack. Um, <laughs> Kate Blanchett, I think she would be great as an heiress character, but I also feel like people kind of already expect that from Kate Blanchett to a degree. Whereas I feel like people have could ex- see a lot more from Lupita Nyong'o, and she's already kind of proven herself in like that mystery thriller type vibe with movies like Us. And I know Us is not like the greatest movie, but she's amazing in it. Like she carries that movie on her back, like easily. Well, of course. Look, yeah. Like- if Nobody's just, arguing that Lupita sure. Nyong'o has range. Nobody's arguing. No, that. exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, if, if the case is who's the best actor overall, all around, for me, Lupita Nyong'o wins. I, I get down, that. Yeah. I just want like an eclectic, interesting cast. When you talk about who would be a good added addition, bringing in a new sort of audience, and I yes. picture, I picture something where someone says "Knives Out." to uh to uh vin diesel and vin diesel says i only use guns and then pulls a gun out uh, and he doesn't shoot but it's just to show that he's packing because he's that sort of character uh, I real okay i was gonna say that i had an younger. argument i was I gonna say argument. that said uh look uh I'm a biased judge. I'll admit it. Um, When someone comes up with an answer that's directly catered towards me, look, maybe, maybe I'll think at first, Hey, bad pick. You know, I'm not, I'm not no schmooze. Um, But this hard nosed lawyer saying guns out instead, or (laughs) or possibly instead of knives out, maybe even possibly dicks out for Harambe. Who knows? Um, Right. <laughs> you are the death of the Knives Out franchise, I'm, hey. I'm killing it. You are. You're killing it. You're killing it. You're killing it. You, I, I am horrified and disgusted. Thank you. I am as well. This, y'all are just mad you didn't pick the best choice. No, <laughs> I already argued. No, it wasn't I the was best gonna, choice. I was gonna oh, say, no, I, no, no. The judge Spy and I are over here, like, no. Spy and I over here, and we have the biggest brains of all, so <laughs> this is the only Spy and I valid. <laughs> spy um, and I, okay, listen, me and McKenna are gonna go make our Lupita Nyongo and Kate Blanchett fucking They <laughs> Love Heiresses yes. yes. in Greece movie, and y'all can yeah. have your. Stupid Vin Diesel movie. And yeah, y'all can have And Vin guns. Diesel can be married to Kate Blanchett. It makes so yes. much sense. No, Lupita Nyong'o and Kate Blanchett are married. That's just. Oh, no, they're having an affair. They're trying to get married. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> with that said, great answers. Um, y'all mentioned this, which was a good point. I to help kind of bolster, and in some ways, kind of uh, put Lupita Nyong'o down. All of y'all said, "Hey, if we're talking about best actor, it's clearly her," because it is. Uh, cause I don't mm-hmm. know if us is necessarily a great movie. Um, but oh my God, she's fantastic and seller. Uh, and I think, look, uh, Lupita Nyong'o has already won an Oscar, correct? Yes. This wasn't the Oscar yeah. question, Jay. This was the no, no, I was just question. I was just wondering. I was just wondering. Um, cause I was going to say that's someone who, uh, <laughs> but they already won an Oscar. So never mind. Uh, with that said, it is two, one, one going into the last question. Um, nepotism spy has already kind of laid the cards out uh, for (laughs) what the pick is here Um, but with that said spy you are going to go first yes which director would you like to see join the DCEU uh, to lead up to a Justice League team up film 
Okay, so I kind of already spoiled it, but I actually did answer Ari Aster for this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and no, but no, I actually have a pretty good reasoning. So first off, Ari Aster, I think he, I, like you guys described him as niche, but I don't know. I think he has a little bit more mainstream appeal than you give him credit for. I hear a lot Agreed. of people talking about Hereditary and talking about Midsommar. And people seem to really like those movies. And more than that, but Ari Aster actually did an AMA on Reddit. And he very specifically talked about how he wants to move away from horror type movies. So I think if you gave Ari Aster like full creative control over a more comedy based superhero movie, he has the tools in his bag to be able to absolutely kill it. And I think he could do a great job in the DCEU with how goofy some of that is and make it work really well. Nice. Okay. Move to McKenna. What is going to be your pick? Oh, wait, wait, wait. real quick, real quick. Uh, Spy, is there a movie in particular or a character in particular? It does, I don't know it, much about not, comic, um, comics, so I would just pass. Um. <laughs> gotcha. All good. Um, maybe read a comic, nerd. Um, I read indie comics, hey. I only read indie comics because I'm a true comic <laughs> fan. Maybe wow. you could have range like businesses. me. Maybe you could have range like me, not my fault. <laughs> okay, uh, but with that said, moving on to the second answer, McKenna, what is going to be your pick for director? So the DCEU. I, was really, I was really thinking of the thing, both the things I didn't like about the DCEU currently and what I considered underrated superhero director, like specifically underrated for their superhero directing, not in their career in general. Um, because this is not an underrated person. Um, and that would be Guillermo del Toro. I would love to see a Guillermo del Toro DCEU movie. Uh, my my thought, I was thinking about like uh, how much I love Guillermo del Toro Hellboy. And I was also thinking about how some of the things that I really, one of the things I really don't like about DC, and I think it's a silly thing, but I think in with the state of how we make movies now, it is a crucial thing. And that is the visuals. I think there are very few, with the exception of like Birds of Prey, we're talking about team up movies. So Birds of Prey is sort of like, I don't know, Birds of Prey sits on its lovely little island and nobody can criticize it over there. But, <laughs> um, but when you're talking about like the Justice League movies and stuff like that, they're just really ugly to me. And I think if you bring in a director who's got a very distinct visual style, someone who can work really well with these sort of like outsider feeling characters, which there are a lot of in the DC uh, EU and do it well and has a good track record. Like, I think that I would, I would, if you told me Guillermo del Toro DC EU movie, I would be the first in line for a ticket. Okay. And we're moving on to the last of this. Um, Todd, what is going to be your pick? Keep in mind, when here for Todd seals it. Uh, and, uh, and a win from either Spy or McKenna ties it and moves on to uh, a very strange tiebreaker <laughs> question is all I'll say. Todd, what is your pick? Okay, so I went, I guess, a little strange here. I didn't want to go uh, – I wanted to go basically in a direction of somebody who – would completely shake up the system. I wanted for the first time, like instead of a director who is just kind of brought in and controlled by the system to have kind of like a more independent voice come in. So I picked Spike Lee uh, representing old people and specifically <laughs> I would love for him to do a cyborg film. Um, and I think it would be an awesome way to fix a couple of the DCEUs 
in my opinion, main problems. Like one is they have no sense of humor in them. Not that I need them to be really quippy or jokey, but sometimes they can be so down with the exception of Birds of Prey, which is a perfect movie and separate discussion. But like uh, for the most part, they, they, they have problems with that. Spike Lee, if you've watched his films, is kind of a master of incorporating little humorous moments into like really, you know what I mean? Like depressing sort of uh, vibes which is uh, what the DCU goes for a lot of the times is this more kind of like dreary vibe. I think Spike Lee could punch that up. I also think the conversations that they have are pretty weak in most of them, like the parts where their character development is occurring aren't the best. And I think Spike Lee on the spot could punch some of that up as well. I want to see those weird quick zoom ins that Spike does. I want to see his take on uh, this particular character um, in a world of superheroes. And yeah, so that's my take. I wanted to say high five solidarity because I also, when I was thinking about this question, was thinking about how much I wanted a cyborg movie. So that was just, that was, I just high five cyborg appreciation <laughs> moment. <laughs> I accept and return your high five. Thank you. Okay. So, so here's some of the, the talking points, I guess, to gear y'all's uh, discussion. Um, AB mentioned track records. Um, y'all, y'all have talked about that a little bit. Um, also how their style would fit in to a more mainstream, uh, type of, you know, uh, justice league movie, uh, all that good stuff. Other than that, I guess we got a good old Batman V Superman V doomsday here. Um, so <laughs> get right into it. Uh, is your answer the best? Why, why are the other answers poo poo? So I would like to start off if that is cool. Uh, mm. And I would just like to say talking, we were talking, I, I touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to elaborate more on how I think Guillermo del Toro could do a good job at bridging the current uh, DC style and then making it just better. Because I, like I said, my big problem is that they're kind of, they're pretty ugly, but you uh, even Todd sort of talked about like the dark dreary kind of nature. And I mean, that is very Guillermo del Toro. There's very dark and dreary, but it's still very, very visually interesting. And so I think that's a perfect bridge. Like his style is a perfect bridge because it will maintain the kind of energy, the kind of vibes that they're going for, but you can still bring something <laughs> visually interesting into it. And then I was also thinking about, I like I said, the kind of outsider character, which is another reason I thought about Cyborg because I think a cool aspect of... Um, like Guillermo del Toro on take on like a cyborg character is partially the body horror of Cy cyborg. Um, for those who don't totally know, like he uh, was, that was not a, he was very much not aware and able to consent to the procedures that made him a, a cyborg. He, and he woke up and his entire life was, was different. And you see, um, I think that somebody with, when you're talking about outsider characters, like I, th I think about Hellboy, I even think about like Pan's Labyrinth and the dark nature of that. And then of course, I think Shape of Water is one of the biggest like out feeling like an outsider stories that, of like when you're thinking about his work. So I think that there's a really good link there. And there's a lot of characters in the DCEU who have that sort of outsider mentality. Um, I mean, Batman is like probably the most obvious, like, uh, I'm a grim, dark, nobody, but like, like that's, that's a consistent theme with DC. And so I think since that's a consistent theme in 
his work, it would be a really good fit. So for, for me, I like, here's where I think about it. Like I, I like Spike Lee. I've given my main reasons for that. Um, if I'm thinking about like the other characters, like for me, um, Ari Aster is interesting. Like I actually like Ari Aster's work, but Ari Aster is really a specialist at slowing things down dramatically. Uh, he mm -hmm. doesn't do a lot of action. He doesn't really have, when you think about like a track record, he doesn't have a track record necessarily that would prove anything in this area. Not that you have to have that. I'm not saying Spike Lee does either. Spike Lee just has like, like a longer career. You know what I mean? Like to prove that. But like, uh, he doesn't really fit in my opinion, like the sort of vibe of a superhero film where for me, Guillermo del Toro, del Toro is an interesting pick. I love his films. But when you talk about like track record, he already had Blade 2. He had Hellboy 1 and 2, which were like only moderately successful. He gets I don't know, like, so artsy, like, in those films, which I love. But as far as, like, mainstream appeal, I can't picture, like, Spike Lee is on the rise. He had just had his most profitable film uh, with, uh, well, no, not The Five Bloods, but with uh, Black Klansmen. Who wouldn't want to be going to a Spike Lee DCU film? Everybody See, would want to go. <laughs> Uh, my my thing with Wait, that McKenna, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Spy jump in. Okay, yeah, Spy. Okay, yeah. and then I have yeah. Well, I don't know. All I can say, I would actually think that Del Toro would actually be a pretty interesting pick. My thing with Spike Lee is I don't know, like his vibe just seems really hard to imagine in the context of like a blockbuster superhero movie. And it's not that he's not a good director. It's just that that would, I don't know if those would mesh very well is kind of like the way I see it. And my argument like in favor of Ari Aster is um, ironically going to dip into Marvel a little bit, but we saw from the marketing and the mainstream response from the marketing of the recent new mutants movie that people are really, really into the idea of like a horror vibe superhero movie now of course new mutants like completely dropped the ball on it and kind of crapped it out but the the demand and the want is there and dc has already done the thing where they take a lesser known more indie um director and i know that ariaster is kind of like borderline between more indie and more mainstream so i think that he could still be a good pick but like the birds of prey director what like that is like the best dceu film right now and she was like a completely unknown person that they mm. just picked out of nothing and Ari Aster you would have the advantage of that horror vibe that people seem to be really into and it has there have been movies done where like con conceptually they've proven that they can work and I think that he would be a good person to bring that in and do that um and then the only other thing I can say about Del Toro is I know he's done Hellboy and that's good but like Todd said he has also done Blade and um the sequel which were both not as great so it's a as, as much as I like Del Toro's work, I don't know if he would necessarily like be a shoe in necessarily. I mean, no one ever is, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. No. Okay. So now um, I'm going to talk about Todd's point first, and then then go to Spice Boy. So I, I actually I'm kind of glad you said the thing with uh, Spike Lee style because I I had a similar thing. I because I again I love Spike Lee too. My I immediately kind of trying to put it together. My brain put in formed a Hulk movie, the like the Ang <laughs> Lee Hulk movie. And I hate to say that. I really hate I think it was Ang Lee who did that one. 
Oh, You're but they're correct. nothing alike. They're nothing yeah, okay. alike. Yeah, <laughs> okay. No, no, but that's what that's what my brain put together because the style was just like too I I, I don't know. I, Spike Lee for some reason I want to use the word punchy when I'm describing his style. Like that's <laughs> where my brain is like punchy. And the that doesn't quite fit with this sort of like it would it would be more difficult, I think, to integrate into the existing uh like I guess what we've created what has been created already um as opposed to Guillermo del Toro I think that would be more like uh easier bridge to to close and then when it comes to oh I did want to say with uh the Blade movies okay those are I like those were a while ago and also it was a weird time okay there's it happened but i don't think it's a death because it's also very di blade is a very different vibe than dc stuff like i don't know because blade in general i have lots of thoughts about blade in general and i'm not gonna go, go on the both the comics the, the like the entire blade like <laughs> character and media surrounding that character that's like i i have lots of thoughts about that but i think that there was a lot of things influencing that movie including the time period and like standards for that time period um like the very i like i think about blade 2 the same way i think about like a lot of those earlier marvel movies that were all kind of like ew and that's because they were being influenced uh a lot by a lot like the the both standards of the time and then like weird bs behind the scenes and i don't i don't think that's a great like i don't know i just don't think it's a great like be like well he did blade i'm like yeah but that's not a very rep that's not representational of his work as a like he has such a large body of a work that those feel like so detached <laughs> detached from that um and then Get it. Oh, sorry. Go for it real quick. It's just yeah. The the other thing with Ari Aster was um I I said it again. It's is it? I said it again. It's Ari Aster. Anyways, um, <laughs> you're good. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, it's again. I think the uh like Todd was kind of saying like the the, the slower cinema and although like it's it would be it would be I want to see more of. Like, like you said, I do like the idea of younger directors, but I want to see more like proof of concept that he could do things outside of what he's done before I would be like, yes, DC movie by, <laughs> by Ari Aster. Like, I want to see like a short okay. film or something. All right. That's I'm going to let Spy and Todd hit final points. Spy, I'll let you go first. Well, I mean, if you really just want to see you know, more proof of work than you would be kicking Kathy Young out and she did Words of Prey, just saying. Um, mm. <laughs> that, would, that would kind of discourage her from that criteria, but... Um, <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. <laughs> but no, and like, I know that Ari Aster films are still, like, they're slower, but I don't think anybody would ever describe an Ari Aster film as, like, boring. And that could be an interesting take on a... Um, on a superhero movie, especially given that DC is overall, especially compared to Marvel, has that darker tone. Um, I could imagine like a slower paced Batman movie with like sporadic tension releases 
that would work really well with Ari Aster style. And I know that they're already doing the Batman stuff and all of that. But the proof is, like, conceptually, you have DC characters that I think would mesh really well with Ari Aster's typical style. And I think he has enough of that appeal to play both to the horror audiences that love him and he would be able to sell it as a superhero movie because like I said, the, I think that the market is there for that and I wish that more directors would go into it. Okay, Todd, what are your final points? So for Before me, I make this decision. So for me, DC just got a jolt in that a lot of people like the Snyder Cut but still it is kind of like a pseudo tarnished branch uh, franchise. I want to do something big, bold, hasn't been done before. Bring in a seasoned long-term professional like Spike Lee, who hasn't yet done a superhero film, but has proved himself in so many other different categories. And I want him specifically to do the cyborg film, which I think would be a wonderful take for him to get to do a black superhero story and talk about different dimensions of what that means. And I think he would be able to punch up the dialogue. I think he's still fast paced enough to stick with the DCEU while being able to write wittier dialogue and help and contribute with that, like in punching up different scenes. I like him and I think he is the best of both worlds for what you get out of the other candidates. Okay, so this is difficult because, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe one of uh, either McKenna or uh, Spy said this and I missed it in all the chaos. Um, to me, the biggest point when Todd brought up Spike Lee is that Spike Lee's biggest budget film is the Old Boy remake, uh, which is arguably his worst film. Uh, was that brought up at all? I know it wasn't, but it's an excellent point. <laughs> uh, yeah. point points for me, I suppose. Um, but <laughs> that that was just an aside to say. Um, all the arguments were really good. Uh, I think that could have been a decisive nail in the coffin. However, I still do have a decision. Um, I do feel like both people, even though you brought up the Kathy Yan point, I feel like people did both Todd and... McKenna did a good job of, I don't know how Ari Aster would fit in to this universe, especially like even Kathy Yan to a certain extent, like, uh, and obviously like I love Birds of Prey, but I don't like this idea of, I've never like really vibed with the idea of like, we bring in these independent creators and then, oh, they have to follow like the studio system. So Kathy Yan, like, uh, you know, has to conform to some of and cut certain things from the movie. And obviously like, no one's saying release the Kathy Yan cut because people who love the movie, while they can agree with that, it's still a good movie um, at the end of the day. Um, so so that that was part of my thinking on that. That's why I sort of uh, discounted Aster, even though it would be a really interesting... If anybody was going to do a horror uh, superhero movie, I that would be really cool. Uh, two, I actually think McKenna did a really good job defending why Spike Lee wouldn't necessarily gel as much as other people, um, specifically this point. And this is actually what I thought about Spike Lee. Uh, so in some ways, McKenna stole the words out of my brain in that um, Spike Lee is almost, he would be annoying if he weren't so poignant with what he's saying and so transcendent with like his his messaging and some of his themes he's able to put in um because he is punchy i think it's a good way to describe him he's yappy in some ways but a very most more than not uh, a very intelligent yappy 
Um, but I do think that wouldn't necessarily vibe with the DCEU is doing. Whereas I think Guillermo del Toro is the best answer here because he can bridge the gap of he did superhero movies in the past. Um, he can sort of bridge the dark and gritty to something else to a certain extent. Also, I just wanted to mention, because I thought it was cool, uh, Spy, you brought up Blade 2. I would just like to say uh, Ari Aster was 15 when Blade 2 came out. <laughs> um, just, just a funny and? stat to throw up. <laughs> no, no I, just thought, I just thought it was a fun aside. So with that said, um, it is going to go into a tiebreaker. Uh, McKenna v. Todd. Spy, you can help me judge this uh, if you would like. If not, you can you can leave. Call me names. Uh, you know. <laughs> well, spit I mean, on now I know. I just have to pander to whatever Hay likes if I want to. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! We're talking about the Vin Diesel question. <laughs> okay, okay. I thought I was about to say I was like, all of these directors aren't like in my. No, no, no. I'm referring, to, I'm referring <laughs> very specifically to the Vin Diesel choice. It was a good answer. It was defended really well. I didn't want to pick it. To be fair. Um, but with the, I, I host an award show called The Diesels. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I have so much to talk about next season. Uh, no, with that said, uh, we have a tiebreaker question, um, which I think will be fun um, and creative, and you can interpret this. I will not explain it. Uh, this is just what my brain came up with, trying to come up with a tiebreaker. Uh, and I will let you guys can, uh, whoever says something, make a, a noise i guess and you can go first okay here's the question describe steven spielberg in a color that wasn't me asking to go first that was me pondering yeah, sorry gotcha. I, I understand <laughs> radio right now um <laughs> my brain is my, my brain, brain is, see i'm also you? trying to answer this um <laughs> despite not actually being able to participate but i'm kind of got it narrowed down between two so maybe i should just mix the two and go oh, nice. <laughs> that's, that's, literally, that's literally what i did and i think i am i am i i have an answer <clears throat> that i feel happy with um mm. and that is Violet. I don't know if I'm just gonna say that and then let <laughs> we'll go into reasons why later. Okay, Todd, you have the floor. Pick whatever you want. Violet has been taken. I'm so going. I, I, I will say maybe don't pick indigo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going um cadmium red, dark red. Okay. Okay, uh, McKenna, you had the answer first. Why is Spielberg violet? Paint the picture so, for me. Yeah, so we 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 know that Spielberg is definitely a director. Again, we've talked a lot about people with range today, uh, and Spielberg is definitely one of those one of those directors where you'll have very like there's there's obviously the, the Spielberg like vibe to all of them but they cover a wide variety of subject matter um and so i was thinking when i was because i actually also thought of like a very deep red at first and then i was like is that just because of schindler's list um and then um 
because <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. But then I I think that is that is one side. But then you also have very like lighthearted, more Spielberg moments, and that was more blue. Like when you first said it, uh, like like gut instinct was blue then it went to red which is where i got to violet because i was like i was gonna say purple but i was like no it's a very like deep dark <laughs> purple it's a very specifically like a violet like a rich purple because um it's very it can be a very happy color and it can be a very sad color i don't know that's kind of a reductive way to say it but it can be it it feels it feels bittersweet to me. The color violet okay. feels bittersweet. Okay, Todd, why is I had to look it up just to make sure. Um, why is Steven Spielberg cadmium red? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a darker red that makes me feel like very safe. Like this actually had nothing to do with Schindler's List, but I get <laughs> why you brought that up now. Uh, but. To me, uh, it's just a warm color. I think about a blanket I had that was like that when I was a kid. I think about Christmas. I think about things that, generally speaking, make me feel safe. And that's what I think Spielberg is, is he's like luxurious safe. There really aren't, in my opinion, super horrible Spielberg films. There are a number of great ones. There are a number of like really like emotional ones warm ones uh that get the heartstrings going like et uh there are some more adventurous ones that indicate the fiery part of red so that is what i think of when i think of steven spielberg a dark red that represents comfort but also fire okay todd real quick this is the follow-up uh what film are you representing for cadmium red steven spielberg all of his filmography his illustrious multiple decade career of so many uh, picks many of which include uh, the bfg uh, producing <laughs> animaniacs ready yeah, whatever I'm gonna you go are with i'm gonna go with uh, et okay uh and mckenna what are you picking for violet steven spielberg i hate to say it but also et <laughs> Okay, wait, so wait. I, I have my answer. I have my answer. Okay, Spy, um, ooh, I don't know how to do this. Um, Spy, where are you leaning? Just curious. Where am I leaning? Well, yeah. if I throw my own answer out, I'm kind of leaning towards McKenna. <laughs> okay. Okay. So so as much as I would like to... Well, okay. So, so here's my reasoning. And Spy, we can hash this out. And, and maybe I end up siding oh. with you. <laughs> I feel like you. this is why I threw this out. It was actually a trap question. And unfortunately, McKenna fell for the trap. You can't pick Violet and not go with the color purple. What are you doing? Um, My brain, I'm going on vibe. You think I'm going to go? I, I do, I do I'm unexpected, just saying, baby. I'm just saying. I do saying. unexpected, baby. Look, I get, I get it, I get it, but I, I'm gonna go with my gut. I'm not gonna go with what the public expects of me. <laughs> wow, I feel attacked. I guess, I guess my biggest issue with Todd's answer is that I don't necessarily think of like safety and comfort when I think of bright red. I think Cadmium of like red. high. Yes, cadmium so, red. I think of oh, like. 
high energy, blood pumping, like that so sort of thing. What's interesting of warmth. I would actually agree with you to that point, but I, I thought the ultimate trap, I thought it would work on McKenna. So that's why I'm sort of at, at a crossroads. Um, because here's another thing. I'm glad you brought this up, Spy, because I was going to make a point with it. Cadmium red almost, and maybe this is just because of the criterion, um, but that color I associate with Spike Lee um, just because it's this bright, like loud and uh, bombastic type of color to it. And it is the cover of Do the Right Thing. I'm aware. Um, so maybe that's why I have that association. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let I'm gonna go a spy on this one. McKenna, you have one in a tiebreaker of sorts. Congrats. Yay! You are the third uh, winner. Does I'm anyone care what the loser's me. answer was going to be? Oh, sure, <laughs> <do>. sure. <laughs> my answer was gonna be like a sunset orange. Aww. Going to be my Ooh. answer. That's my favorite uh, color, so I have to <laughs> correct answer. The correct ed answer would have been a brownish dark green. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, everyone, everyone did incredible. Um, I'd love to have all three of y'all against some different people. Uh, cause I'm hoping, I'm hoping to try to branch this into a league of sorts, do this every two weeks. So McKenna, you will be facing Yango answer. I will not stand for this injustice. <laughs> <laughs> that is fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, McKenna will probably face off around, uh, some, some winners in the future. Uh, Spy and, and Todd, you guys can crawl your way back up um, from the loser's bracket. I'm coming uh, where, back, baby. <laughs> where where I will probably be competing, just a heads up. Um, I will but, kick your ass, oh. hey. <laughs> but with that <laughs> said, uh, that, that's going to conclude this episode of ATF SmackDown. Um, congrats to everybody that, that hard fought. Uh, we barely made it out of this alive, uh, but but Yay, McKenna is the winner. Yay! Yay! <laughs> I was going to make a at really least, dark joke. <laughs> at least we can say this. Uh, age was not the winner today. <laughs> <laughs> Youth was squandered on this jury. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh. but, uh, yeah, that's going to do it. See you guys on the next one. Bye. 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 Get out of here, Craig. Try. Please.